You're listening. Now, uh, I wanted to share, an, I want you to turn with me, if you would, to Job chapter 4. And uh, <clears throat> I'm going to be uh, sharing with you in just a minute on personal angels. Your personal angels, angels that are assigned to you. And we're going to look at this thoroughly tonight. We, there's all kinds, as I said, there's archangels. The ones that I found in scriptures, there's archangels, which are chief angels. And like I told you this morning, we've read about 100 books on angels. I don't think anybody knows the amount of archangels that there are. I've heard all kinds of theories and by good people that have studied their word, but I can't find an answer to that, uh, you know, concretely. But we know that Michael was only one of the chief princes. Daniel tells, so there are others. And so uh, there's archangels, which are very high ranking. In fact, uh, and then there's cherubims, and that's the class the devil was in. He's still a cherubim, but he's a fallen being now. But he was an anointed cherub at one time by God. And uh, these, these are unusual creatures. A lot of, there's some teaching in there we don't have time for tonight, but it'll be in the book. And then there's seraphims that... Uh, uh, you know, that's the vision that Isaiah saw. He saw the Lord high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple, and the seraphims were flying around crying, holy, 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 and so forth. And uh, that's another class. And then there's some beings over in Revelation. I don't know what to call them. I just like the Bible, I call them living creatures. They identify some with the cherubs. They identify some with the seraphims, but I can't locate them specifically, but I just say they're living creatures. There's a lot about this unseen realm. And the creatures I'm talking about now, these are all elect angels or godly angels, holy angels that work for God and for us and have been created to help us. Uh, you know, 56 years ago, I'm 61 years old now, but 56 years ago, I was a little cripple boy. Uh, I began to, my mom noticed when I was about three years old that my knees were knocking together. I wasn't walking properly and took me to... Uh, Barney, Dr. Barney of Barney's Children's Hospital in Dayton, Ohio. The hospital's still there. He's went on. And uh, they said, well, your son has rickets. And uh, we're going to put braces on him because that's all we know to do right now. Well, I had him on for two years. And uh, only time I take him off when I took a bath. And uh, they told my mom he's always going to be this way. It's going to deteriorate and get worse. And he's always going to need artificial help of some sort. And uh, you know, and so forth and so on. Well, my mom, she repented. I don't know what she was doing, but she said, Lord, if you'll heal my son, I'll, I'll raise him in the church. And within about six months after that event, I was totally healed. And they didn't do anything to do that. They just said, well, you got a miracle. We don't understand that. But one of the events that took place, and now I see it, I didn't understand all that back then. I was just a five-year-old kid. I was awakened one night. My mom had remarried to a man named Jack Jacobs. Uh, and uh, my real father had left, and, and uh, I was five when she got married. We moved to Springfield, Ohio, which is a few, few miles from where I grew up in Fairborn. And I was awakened in the middle of the night and went to the window, and about 12 feet away in the driveway stood this being. He had a staff. In fact, uh, my associate, Brother Sean, I didn't like the cover on the old book I had. It was okay. But he brought me this picture one day, and he said, Hey, I found this on the Internet, and it's free. Would you like that on your book? I said, That looks just like the angel I saw, except the face of this one's a lot younger. He had this rod-type thing here like that. And uh, I said, that's, that's it. I've never seen a picture. That's what he looked like. His face was different. He looked older to me than this angel here. But anyway, 
And I, I couldn't talk. You know, you ever notice in the Bible where it says, fear not, when they appear? That, and I was kind of making fun today of how people think. Not making fun of people, but how people think. We, you know, we got these images of these angels, little preschool looking. I call them beer barrel. You know, big old fat preschoolers with curly hair, with rubber darts, bow and arrow, you know, Valentine deal. And, uh, and that's the furthest from the truth. I was so struck by this creature, this being. And he didn't say anything to me, and I couldn't talk. I tried to talk. And uh, it's just like it happened yesterday when I'm talking about it. It's over half a century ago. And the only thing I can remember is he was like partially transparent. You could almost see through him. And he it looked just like this, a big aura of light around him. And, uh, and so I didn't know what to do. I'm five years old. I ran and got my mother, and she came to the window with me, and she couldn't talk. And she's the only other living a person that saw this particular vision with me. And she stood in my pulpit at my church just a few years ago and told the same thing I'm telling you. And we both stood there for I don't know how long, a few minutes. We couldn't talk. Finally, we just went back to bed. We didn't know what to do. I didn't even know what to do about it. You know, I didn't know anything that I'm teaching you tonight. But I'm convinced now that was an angel sent by God to help me. And uh, then, you know, I got healed right around that time. Now, he didn't touch me in the vision I had, and I didn't, you know, he could have, he'd done that later maybe when I was sleeping, I don't know. But I'm just telling you, and it just seemed like there was waves of power coming off him. There wasn't any sounds, but if there was a sound, it would seem like it'd kind of go like, you know, if there was a sound put to it, it's the only way I know to describe it. It's hard to speak about it. You know, in English language, when you have an experience like that, I've had quite a few. I, maybe I'll share some more uh, throughout the meetings. But, I mean, that marked me. As a five-year-old kid, that marked me. I knew there was another realm ever since then. And, of course, you know, I didn't follow after the Lord. I, my mom did raise me in the church, thank God. But then I went out and, and messed up a lot of stuff by becoming a drug addict. But, you know, I never forgot that experience. It was always real to me. It's real to me just talking about it to you. I feel... <laughs> That anointing. <laughs> so I want to talk to you tonight uh, about uh, personal angels. And we're going to give a lot of references here, as many as we can in the time allotted us, and uh, without wearing you out or anything, but giving you some insight into this. Now, you know Job is an interesting book. I, I have tapes on Job and Paul's Thorne and all of that. I don't know if we have them here or not. But I do a whole teaching on Job. And, you know, people misinterpret the book of Job. You know, it is true that God rebuked Job and he rebuked his friends for talking about God in a way that was not correct. But that doesn't mean every single thing in the book of Job is wrong. (laughs) And uh, we need to understand that. We need to rightly divide some things. And so here uh, is one of his friends talking to Job about some things. But he made a comment in verse 18 that's real important to our study tonight. We're talking about personal Angels, personal, are assigned to you. At least one, and I know in my ministry I have other angels that work with me, besides the personal angel that's assigned to me. Hallelujah. And, uh, well, hallelujah. <laughs> you know, Dr. Dufresne came to my church in uh, uh, 2008. And he, he, the last night of the meeting, he lined, he said, all the preachers come up here, I'd like to minister to you. Well, I was there. I got up and I fell out and I laid there a long time. I don't know. Uh, it was unusual for me, probably 30 minutes. And I had a vision. 
And there was eight angels came and they knelt down beside me. Now they weren't worshiping me. That's not what I'm teaching. And the, but they had on a different kind of uh, clothing. They looked more like a, like a Roman, like a metally meshy stuff like you'd wear, like a sword fight and things like that or something like in the old movies. I don't know how to explain. Bronzy looking. And they knelt down, and I'm, I'm having this vision. There's four on each side. And I, and I said to the Lord in my spirit, and I didn't say this verbally, but I said, Did I, am I in heaven? What happened here? Am I, I didn't know what had happened to me. And he said, no. He said, these are angels that are assigned to you for this time in coming into a new room. About that time, off to the left, now I'm laying flat, but I could see this creature come up over a little knoll. It looked like a, kind of like an ape, but not exactly. And he was violent, and he was mad, and he was coming for me. And I didn't, you know, I didn't know what to do. For, but split second, this one down here at my leg, I'm laying flat. This one down here, he jumped to his feet. Now, when he, they first came, they didn't have any armament on. They didn't have any kind of weapon, weaponry. And he stood up, he had a bow, and he had a, one of those quiver things in, over his... And this is a vision I'm having. I'm getting somewhere with this. Is that okay? I felt, that's why I stopped, because I felt the Lord wanted me to share this. And he grabbed an arrow, and he went like that, and he shot that creature. And when he did, it just disintegrated. Now, I know you can't kill spirits, but just listen to what I'm saying. So I said to the Lord, what what is that all about? You already gave me an angel to help me. He said, yeah, but you come into a new realm. And he's another angel that's going to defend some things for you. That's what he told me. Well, then I thought, well, then then I sort of came back. I'm laying there. I got up. And, and of course, I went to the Lord, you know, about this. I said, what about the other seven? He didn't tell me anything about them. He said, well, I'll show you some more as time goes on. But you just release them. Then doctor came a little bit after that. He and I talked. I told you about it. And you said, well, just release them. Use your faith and release them. About a month later, two of them came back to my house. I was by myself. They came in there in the same outfit. And I said, what, what are you doing here? And they said, we, we've come to tell you that our responsibilities are to restore and repair people's bodies. And then I, then I said to the Lord, not to them, I said, well, Lord, you already gave me a healing endowment for bones. He said, I know, but this is added equipment now. For this new 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 phase you're in, the pastor mentioned it this morning a little bit. From this morning, this was 208. But see, things are coming, going, flowing better, different, and uh, we're starting to see a lot more people get restored. I was in a meeting in, uh, I think it was Illinois, uh, Pastor Prosser. And I, I prayed for some people about their legs to be lengthened because they were uneven and different things. And I didn't, this guy didn't tell me anything about his knee. And I got to him, instead of grabbing, I think I grabbed his legs and prayed for his leg to grow out. And it did. And I said, can I lay hands on your knees? I did, and he said, yeah, he didn't say anything to me. And I just laid, and I, I don't even know what I said now. And the next day he was going back to the doctor to get checked because he was going to get a knee replacement. And they did re-MRI or x-ray, whatever they do. And they said, well, you don't need that. And he goes, <laughs> You must have got a new knee or something. I, I'm just talking to you about some things that have happened to me now. And still the other five, I don't know, but I just keep saying, Father, I thank you, the angels you've assigned to my ministry for helping us. Now, we're talking tonight, and the reason I, I don't know why he just wanted me to share that, I may share that in another service too for some reason. He stopped me here. That's why I hesitated to talk about that. And uh, we don't worship angels. If you weren't here this morning, I'm going to reiterate that. We don't worship angels. We worship God and Him alone. Hallelujah. Now, I'm in Job chapter 4, and I'd like you to look at this with me. Job 4 and 18 is an interesting scripture, Job 4, 18. Behold, he put no trust 
in his servants, and his angels he charged with folly. Now, notice this. He says he put no trust. We would say in a New Testament term, we would say he put no faith in his servants. But the Amplified Bible says he puts no trust in his heavenly servants. He's talking about angels. You know you got heavenly servants? You need to know that. And his angels, notice that, his angels. His angels he charged with folly. Now that's a rebuke because when you charge your angel with folly, he's not able to function correctly. He won't obey that. He won't, he won't be able to fulfill that if it's folly and foolishness, we would say. So we've got to guard the way we talk. But I'm really talking tonight about personal angels, so I want, to, I want you to follow with me. Let's go back here to Genesis chapter 48 with me. And we're going to look at uh, the man Jacob. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, you remember him. And uh, in Genesis 48, he gives some real insight into this. And it's amazing to me as I've studied this subject how much revelation the men and women of the book of Genesis had on this subject. They had all kinds of visitations. They had all kinds of help. They understood angels, uh, at least to some length here. And, of course, this is the story of Jacob and his son. One of his sons brought two grandsons to him to minister to them before Jacob was going home. He's also called Israel. And so in verse 14, and Israel stretched out his right hand, Genesis 48, 18, 14. Israel stretched out his right hand and laid it upon Ephraim's head, who was the younger, and his left hand upon Manasseh's head, guiding his hands wittingly or skillfully, for Manasseh was the firstborn. He was supposed to lay his right hand on the firstborn, but he didn't. He changed it up. And he blessed Joseph, verse 15, and said, God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac did walk, the God which fed me all my life long, Notice that, unto this day, the angel which redeemed me from all evil blessed the lads and let my name be named on them in the name of my fathers Abraham and Isaac and let them grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. Now, it's amazing to me that here's a man that's back in the old covenant. He is not born again. He is not spirit-filled. He, he, just, he doesn't understand all that. He, I don't know if he even had a clue. And yet he realized, listen, he had a long life. And it was associated with angelic help. Isn't that true? Psalm, I'm not going to turn there now. Psalm 91, it says, With long life he would satisfy us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And show us his salvation. And three verses before that he said, He talks about the angels having charge over us. Amen. Remember what we said this morning, Hebrews 2? Remember we talked, verse 3, how are we going to, neg- how are we going to escape if we neglect? So I know Pastor Nancy, and rightfully so, teaches with your length of time is in correspondence with being in the will of God. But here's another factor that not understanding how angels can help us, maybe we wouldn't live out our life. Now, not only that, let's look at it a little more closely here. The angel which redeemed me, this is personal, from all evil. This angel operated in protection around Jacob and began to minister to him and redeemed him, or we would say delivered him from all evil. And then he says, bless the lads. I mean, it's almost like here's a man that's going to go home and leave his body, and he's commissioning his angel in this passage to stay in the earth and help these grandsons grow up into a multitude in the earth and not get drunk at the senior prom and kill themselves. Something to think about. 
we're going to see, we'll see some other things. So here's Jacob. We, we, Job said something about it, Job's friend, about his angels. Here it says, the angel which redeemed me for, from all evil his whole life long. I don't know if he understood it as a child, but he looks back now and he says, I realize my whole life long the angel that's been assigned to me has redeemed me, delivered me. See, you know, a lot of things, see, we, doctor and I were talking this morning, a lot of times when people are in a local church, a good church like this one, you get stuff knocked off of you that you don't even know was coming before it ever got to you. You go to a church that doesn't teach healing, you don't get that. See, a good friend of mine, he, he got, you know, offended earlier in his ministry and started jumping around, ended up in the, some other denominational church, and he got cancer. Oh, it's just a mess. I begged him, get out of there, man. You're gonna, you, you can't live like that. And then he just got worse and worse and worse, and he died. And he was in a church that didn't teach healing. A lot of times we teach on healing constantly. You know, I mean, myself, I do. I taught five years in a row in the 90s on it. I taught three years in this last decade. And I'm always teaching on healing because my people need it. They need to be reminded. And a lot of stuff gets knocked off as we're teaching. And they don't even realize it. They just think we're feeding them. But a lot of stuff, is their faith is generated and the angels are working with all the, a lot of... Like Patriot missiles taking out the enemy. Now we're going to look at this thoroughly. Let's, let's move on now to what Jesus taught about. Let's go to the book of Matthew chapter 18. We're talking about personal angels. Say personal. Yeah, these are, these are angels assigned to you or angels assigned to me. And uh, I can't prove it, but you can't disprove it, so let's just settle that before I say what I'm going to say. I believe they're, 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 they're with the children, uh, perhaps even before they're conceived. But I guarantee from when they're conceived, and Jesus said certainly when they're born and in the future. And you get birthed into this planet, you get an angel. Pardon? Guardian angels, yeah. We're calling them personal. They're called, you know, in the book of Daniel, chapter 4, I didn't take you there, there's three references to, it talks about the watchers. Nebuchadnezzar had a dream in the night on his bed, it says. They called them watchers, but the Hebrew word is guardian. That's the only place I know that that word is listed in the Bible that I'm aware of for an angel. But he called them watchers, but the Hebrew word is guardians. These are guardian angels sent to guard and protect and watch over you and help you in life. Somebody said, well, now, Pastor Jacobs, if that's true, then what about people that get, you know, that have children get took out early? Well, that's a whole myriad of answers I could give you. But one thing I will say for sure, a lot of times the parents didn't know this. And when they did know it, they didn't stay with it and confess it. Or maybe other things could be the secret things that we don't know anything about. But I guarantee if we'd wipe up to this, we could see them protect us and our children, our grandchildren, and right on down the line. Hallelujah. I was pretty, uh, pretty strict with my kids. I didn't let them run around and do a lot of other things some people do in my church and other, you know. But that's just my, my prerogative as a parent. But I always said this, because I couldn't be with them 24-7. I commissioned the angels to watch over them. And whatever it takes to protect my children, they will do that. You better believe I meant it, too. <laughs> Pastor, you sound aggressive. I am. When it comes to stuff like that. I mean, one angel in the Bible took out 185,000 men in one night. I mean, that's some bad motor scooters, buddy. 
I'm telling you now. I used to live with bikers, and some of them were murderers and felons and all kinds, but I mean they wouldn't hold a candle to an angel. You know, they, you know, you remember in the Bible in Genesis, 20, uh, Genesis in Matthew, I'm, stay with me wherever I told you to park, but over in Matthew 28, you remember that they came to the, the, the mayor of the city or whatever and said they're going to come steal his body sure enough. And you know, he called over to the army and he said, put your roughest SWAT guys on there. Put the seals on it, Navy seals. Put Delta Force on it. He didn't send us some piddly guy that just been in the service a few weeks. He put his roughest, baddest people on that tomb. And when the angel showed up, they, they fainted. Now that's got to be a bad looking motor scooter to cause those guys to <laughs> You ever see an angel in his normal state of being? And you know, sometimes the Bible says you can entertain strangers unaware. And they were not going to resemble an angelic creature like I told you I saw when I was five or some of the others I've seen. Uh, But when you see them in their natural state of being, in that realm where they typically exist, unless they step over into this realm, I mean, you're going to have to have faith or huggies. (laughs) I'm telling you now, there's some bad motor scooters. I call them bad mama Joe Doogies. What's that mean? Just what I said, bad mama Joe Doogies. (laughs) And I want that to get in you instead of you thinking a little fat preschooler is watching over you. Come on now. These are mighty, valiant spirit beings that know how to handle things for you. (laughs) I'm telling you. Praise the Lord. So let's see what Jesus taught about personal angels here in verse 10. Matthew 18, verse 10. Take heed that you despise not one of these little ones. And he's referring to very young children here. For I say unto you that in heaven. that Now remember what we said this morning. That heaven, when you read the, the word heaven in the Bible, you have, to, you have to discern what he's really talking about here. Uh, I like to say in the realm of the spirit, their angels do always behold the face of my father which is in heaven. I'm going to say something real simple, but I think you can see it. If our president went to Somalia tomorrow and they sent a secret service to Germany, they'd be sending our president home in a casket. You can't protect someone that you're not present with. This is real simple. So when that says heaven, I want you to get it out of your head that somehow your child's angel lives in heaven. That is not true. See, because Paul said, Paul said, remember, he said, I knew a man, I can't tell you where he's in the body or out of the body, caught up to the third heaven. That first heaven is this spiritual atmosphere right around this planet. And remember, we talked this morning, unseen but not unreal. The second heaven is the stellar heavens, the stars, the moons, the planets, outer space, we call it. And then the third heaven is the planet heaven where God lives. I didn't shoot it over you, did you? You're with me, aren't you? I'm trying to help you because when you read heaven, see, you could be thinking, he's talking about way off there. And here's another little thought. When you're in the spirit, time and distance doesn't play a role in that. But the, the reality is an angel assigned to your children could not help your children unless they were present. You need to know that. Praise the Lord. So... We, we, know, we know another example. Remember the seraphims. Now, now, the seraphims were in heaven flying around, but 
Isaiah said, in the year the king Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. He's standing on the planet earth, but he's seeing into heaven, and he's having a vision. And so those two realms flowed together. I want to just point out some things to you here that will help us. We need to get our thinking straight. Somehow the angels aren't way out somewhere off doing something else. The angel that's assigned to you is just, that's his job. That's his assignment. That's his dedication to preserve you, your children, your grandchildren. Oh, praise the Lord. So when Jesus says here, he says, Take heed that you despise not one of these little children, for I say unto you that in heaven or in the Spirit, their angels. Notice T-H-E-I-R. Their angels. You know, this is my Bible. This is my watch. This is my suit. Because these are my notes because those things belong to me. Do you understand what I'm saying? So when he says it was their angel, that's a personal, personal issue there. That angel's personally assigned to you. That angel, and of course in our ministry, some of us, I know Dr. Dufresne, of course, and I know in my own life too, that I've had other angels assigned to help me over the years been in the ministry 36 years but just in 208 that's what three years ago roughly uh god added some new angels that came to help me i'm still not sure about all the other five fully but see sometimes we just have to understand that we're working it out and walking it out we're believing god we're releasing them every day the angels that have been assigned to me are helping me today the angel that's assigned to me is a personal angel he's helping me keep me safe today You need to realize you have an angel assigned to you. He's not your buddy. He's not your friend. He doesn't come to have major conversations with you unless it's a spiritual one on purpose to tell you something you need to know. Let me me say something else here because people get confused about it. Well, now, Pastor, it just seems like you're elevating the angels. Well, I'm trying to bring them where they should have been all along as servants to us. And people say, well, what about the Holy Ghost? Well, what about the Holy Ghost? Let's talk about that a minute. In, in, in Acts, I think it's chapter 8, Philip, he's a spirit-filled man, speaks in tongues. And it says, an angel said, go down there and get by that roadside. Didn't say the angel appeared to him. I don't know if he did or not. I'm going to read it in there. If it's not in there, it just said the angel said to him something. And he went out and stood by the roadside. Then the Holy Spirit said, join yourself to that chariot. Or stop this car and tell the guy in it this word. We would just put it in that vernacular today. So we got the Holy Ghost and the angels working together. The Holy Ghost is God. And He lives on the inside. But I see Him working together. I remember in 95, you know, we taught 15 weeks in a row on this subject. One hour each week. 15 hours. I never even finished talking what I knew back then. That was 16 years ago. I know a lot more today than I did back in 95. My manuscript for my book was 520 pages. And the Lord said, my goodness, Michael, cut that down. <laughs> he said, write it so a third grader could understand it. And you, you know more than what's in this book, but just put the es- essence in it so people can get a hold of it quickly and, and understand some basic things. So that's what we attempted to do. So in, in 95, though, one of the Wednesday nights we had a service on talking about this subject. 
and I would have a healing line after every Wednesday night and just have people come, all kinds of... Sometimes I had words of knowledge. Sometimes I had just said, get up here if you're sick or you need healing or you're getting pain or whatever. You understand what I'm saying? And one of those nights, we, we had a wonderful move of God, just, oh, extremely powerful. And, uh, and so after the service, you know, I'd stayed in the sanctuary for a while. It was just one of the... And, and back in those days, I had the preschoolers out with me on Wednesday night. These are three to five-year-olds now. And I had no less than four of them come to me and say, Pastor, I saw something tonight. What did you see? Well, when you were standing up there, there was two lights, one on each side of you. And every once in a while, I, one of them would lean over and say something, and you'd take off preaching. So I thought, well, that's interesting. And then I, I walked on back through the congregation. There were some teenagers there that night. And they said, Pastor Jacobs, can I say something? I said, sure. They said, I want to tell you what we saw tonight. And they told me the same story the preschoolers just told. Went out to the foyer, and there were two or three couples out there. They said, can we ask you something? Yeah. I said, we saw something tonight we want to tell you about. And all of them had the same story of what had happened that, that particular night. Hallelujah. So the Holy Ghost can get us a word in here, but an angel out here could speak something to us too, or an angel could assist us. I've had two or three confirmed cases of scoliosis now, and I laid hands on somebody's head. But the people that got healed say, when I fell out, I felt a hand on my tailbone jerk my spine, and my spine was straightened. Well, naturally, I didn't do that. That's the angel working with me. How many are listening? We're just, but we're talking about your personal angels tonight. We want to we hone down into this. Let's go over to the book of Acts chapter 12. Hallelujah. You get learning anything? Is this helping us? Talking about personal angels. Angels that are personally assigned to you. It's like our president and other people have bodyguards. They have a secret service. You see them talking into their cufflinks, into their collars. They got cool looking sunglasses. They look real cool. But believe me, they some bad motor scooters. They could hurt you bad real quick. I'm telling you, if you're fooling with our president, they can take you out. And you know, when you get up in the morning, you ought to say, Father, I thank you today for the angels that have charge over me to keep me safe from all injury, harm, and destruction. I say that every day I live. Say that over my staff, over my family, my children and grandchildren. I've been doing that for 25 years. Over my partners, over my church family, over my sons and daughters, over Pastor Nancy and Dr. Dufresne since we've been hooked up. Say that over them. Thank you for your enthusiasm. (laughs) Hallelujah. That the angels are working in the behalf of us to keep us safe. That's what I'm trying to say to you. And we need to be conscious of that. You know, sometimes you, you might be going to work and all of a sudden you just got a hankering for a brevet latte and a scone at Starbucks. And you don't know why. You normally don't even drink lattes. But all of a sudden you detour off your normal pattern and you stop by the Starbucks so you're 10 minutes late getting to that intersection and when you show up, there's two or three ambulances and four cars. You go, oh my goodness. I would have been there when that happened. See, you may not ever know that fully, but I'm saying to you, there's all kinds of things can happen that are unseen but not unreal. Hallelujah. 
personal angels. Now, we know the story here a little bit in Acts 12 of, you know, they killed James. Now they had Peter in jail. But the church began, verse 5, to pray for him without ceasing for Peter. And verse 7 says, and of course, he was sleeping. Verse 6 says he was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains, not one, two. He's in lockdown. And the keepers before the door kept the prison. I mean, they got this thing secure. And behold, the angel of the Lord, verse 7, came upon him, and a light shined in the prison and smote Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise up quickly, and his chains fell off from his hand. You know things can fall off of you that have been bondages? (laughs) I mean, he's incarcerated, and the chains are falling off of him automatically. And the angel, you know you got your cares rolled on the Lord when they're going to cut your head off the next day and you can sleep soundly. Where the angel has to slap you to get you up. I'd say that's a pretty, you got your cares rolled up on God. And the angel said in verse 8, gird yourself and bind on your sandals. And so he did. And he saith to him, cast your garment about you and follow me. And he went out following him and wist not that it was true which was done by the angel but thought he saw a vision. And when they were past the first and second gate, we would say they came into the iron gate that leads unto the city, which opened to them of his own accord. You know, we thought, you know, whatever year that was in my lifetime, they had all these doors at the banks and the malls or places, and you walk up and the doors open. The hotels, that was what happened back here. I mean, doors are opening by themselves, chains are falling off, all kinds of stuff. And when Peter was come, verse 11, to himself, he said, Now I know of a surety that the Lord has sent his angel and delivered me out of the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the people of the Jews. And he considered the thing. He came to the house of Mary, mother of John, whose surname was Mark. Many were gathered together praying. And as Peter knocked at the door of the gate, a damsel came to hearken named Rhoda. And when she knew Peter's voice, she opened not the gate for gladness, but ran in and told how Peter stood before the gate. And they said, Thou art mad. You're crazy, girl. But she constantly affirmed that it was even so. And they said, It is his angel. Now, here's another little side thought. Why would they say that unless there was teaching in the early church about personal angels? Now, this is the book of Acts. This is not the book of Matthew. It's certainly not Leviticus. Let's understand something here. I'm a new covenant man. We can go back and look at some of these things, but I don't even live in Jacob's covenant. I'm over here in Jesus' covenant. I'm over here in the new covenant. (laughs) Everything they had, I can have and more. Everything they had, we can have and better. Everything they had, we have and it is better. Hallelujah. So we've got several witnesses now telling us about personal angels. Now I'm going to show you something in the book of Revelation. Go over here to chapter 1 and verse 1. I don't know if you knew this or not. Maybe you did, but Jesus has a personal angel too. And the reason I'm bringing this out, because he was birthed here. He was born here. He came through the normal entrance of a person, which is the womb of a woman. That's how you get here. And you have an angel assigned to you. And like we said this morning, we're not taking anything away from Jesus. He is son of God, son of man, head of the church, Lord, high advocate, high priest, advocate. (laughs) I mean, intercessor. He's He's our all in all. But when he came to the earth, he came as a man that had to be anointed. And he was birthed out of a woman. Hallelujah. And so he he picked up a personal angel when he came because he was a man that was born here. Now, I know he had access to other angels. We looked at some of these things this morning in Mark and Luke and 
and other passages we just referred to them where he said I could call what several legions of angels, 72,000 I think it is. But regardless of the amount, a lot. <laughs> Enough. <laughs> Somebody says, well, how, how many angels are there, Pastor? I can tell you, they're innumerable. Let me give you a clue here. It's interesting. Just recently, the Lord spoke to me. He said, you know, you have census in the earth. I said, that's right. We can count people. And there's 6.8 billion or something right now. He said, but you can't count the angels. They're innumerable. There's so many. So there's plenty of angels to go around. You know, people get in their head all kinds of weird questions. I wonder if there's enough to go around for me. Yeah, you, that's what I'm teaching this for. God's not going to run out. Yeah, before you say anything, I know what Revelation teaches 10,000 times 10,000 and Daniel 10,000. Yeah, but the Hebrews. Baby, stay with Hebrews. That is the book of the book, in my opinion. Hebrews, book of Hebrews. I say that for a hundred reasons, but I haven't got time to talk about that. But anyway, and it says they're innumerable. And it didn't say, it didn't say we're going to get to them. It says you already have come unto the heavenly Jerusalem and to an innumerable company of angels. And to Jesus, the high priest, and the blood of the covenant, and the mediator, and so forth. You know, he's all that. But we have already come into that because we're born again. Plenty of angels to go around. Don't ever worry, there's scarcity of them. All right, just trying to help us here. Let's read Revelation 1 and 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave to him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass, and he sent and signified it or revealed it by his angel unto his servant John. Now, this is an interesting thought, too. I thought about Jacob when I studied this out years ago. And Jesus, they both seemed as though they did not need their angel once they went to heaven. Let me say it to you this way. What would there be in heaven to be protected from? (laughs) There's no nuclear plants up there going bad. God generates all the power. He's the power that lights that place. But he sent his angel to John. I don't know if the angel went back with him. Now, you get an escort when you die, you know. You get to, praise God, you got a a heavenly limo coming. And I know I'm saying a lot of things. I just don't have time to run you all the scriptures and take you to every reference. But God, the Bible said he wrote on cherub. And they're moving at the speed of light, 186,000 miles per second. Said he rode on the cherub, and when he got off of it, the glory ascended up off that being. And when you die, you got a couple angels coming to take you. Heavenly escorts, I call them. Praise the Lord. Isn't heaven going to be something? It's, I mean, but God, just, he didn't come just take us to heaven. He come put heaven in us. <laughs> so, so Jesus has a personal angel, and he sent that angel. I don't know if he was already in the planet and said, go over there to the Isle of Patmos and tell John about all this in the book of Revelation. Or he was with the, Jesus in heaven. He sent him back. I don't know that for a fact, but I know it says he signified or revealed it to John by his angel. And John was spirit-filled, born again, tongue-talker. Devil casting out, lay hands on the sick John. 
And the angel came and revealed something to him. Now, you know what happens, and I mentioned this this morning, always stay with the word. I've had things appear to me before, and it wasn't God, and I'd have to rebuke it. I say, you, you know, in Jesus' name, you go. This is, you're not right. Do you keep your theology straight? I don't care what anything appeared to you, if that would happen to you. You need to find out if it's scriptural before you go acting on it. But I am saying this, that uh, these angels are real and they're personal and they've been sent to help you. And we need to know that. That's what I'm talking about tonight. Not quite done yet, but just hang on a minute here. What, what about uh, qualifiers? You know, it seems like God is revealing a lot of things to qualify things in our life. So let's go back to the book of Psalms and go back to Psalm 34. I'm going to read something here in just a minute. Uh, I was in a meeting in uh, Nashville in the last year here, maybe 10 months ago. I don't even remember when it was. And I was ministering at the altar and I turned around and the cloth lady, it's a lot smaller sanctuary than this, very, you know, a lot, about as big as a sound booth if you brought sound booth straight forward. And I was over here on this side and she was over there with, I call her the cloth lady. I don't know what you call them here. You know, the ladies that carry the drop cloths thing. And I turned around and there was an angel standing by her. And he had his hands out towards her head, kind of just kind of like this. He looked at me. I looked at him. I said, lady, there's an angel standing there by you. He's come to. And I started to say, minister to you. And down she went. And I, well, I didn't, God didn't tell me what he came to do. But the next day I was driving home and the pastor called me. Pastor Rogan, doctor knows Pastor Keith. He called and said, the lady you, you said the angel was there to minister, she had a huge lump in her breast and said it's almost totally disappeared. It started disappearing right then when he touched her. And praise the Lord. <laughs> We're talking about angels. I'm mixing in some other testimonies because this is interesting. I was just in New Mexico. Well, doctor and pastor been there since I've been there, but I think I was there in February. And I was over in Las Cruces for a couple of days, and then I drove to Deming, and I was there a couple of days. And, and there was a guy in my meeting in uh, Las Cruces, which is the first meeting I was in. It's about a 45, 50-minute drive, I think, to Deming, maybe an hour. And a guy was in that meeting, and, and I had a word of knowledge about low back pain, hip pain. And when, uh, if I call that out, I put people in chairs normally set them in a chair and measure their legs because a lot of times the problem in their hip and their back is because their legs aren't equal length. Well, I got to this one gentleman and, and he said to me before I prayed for him, I broke my back. I said, well, how long ago did you do that? Well, he told me, I don't remember exactly. He said, I'm in construction, said it's all healed up, but it left me where my leg is shorter. So I picked him up and started to pray for him and I could tell it was trying to move, but it wouldn't, it didn't, it was the first time that hadn't worked for me in a long time it's in the fullness right then when I prayed I counted 200 in a row and the Lord told me to quit counting them so I don't know how many since then I prayed for I'd guess maybe three or four hundred and every single one of them's grown out some of them as much as two inches well I grabbed his leg and, and I then all I felt God brought back to me Kenneth Hagin's story brother Hagin about the little girl he prayed for whose legs were limp 
And the, he took the, she, he said to the mom, he said, I felt the power go into her. I know the anointing's been released. You hang on to that. Well, she's bathing the child the next morning, if I got the story right. And she is weeping, kind of complaining, well, I thought. And then the Lord said, well, didn't the man of God tell you the power went into her? Yes. And then she wiped her tears and said when she began to agree with that, said, yeah, that's right. The power's in my daughter. It's working. She heard noises. She had her in the bathtub. And those legs began to pop, bones pop, and everything came normal. So I said to him, now, you know, this could, maybe it's not instant, but I've released my faith and I know that that leg's going to come out and be normal. Well, I went to Deming the next night and he was actually in that church is where he attends. And he came to me after the service said, remember me? I said, yeah, you're the guy with the broken back that had a broken back, right? He said, yes, sir. I want you to know I woke up this morning. My legs are normal. (laughs) It grew out and whatever took place. (laughs) Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. It's amazing what happens when we believe God. When we believe God. See, all of this information won't help us unless we begin to lay hold on it by faith and begin to believe. Not for weird things, but things that angels can do. Get my book if you don't have it. I'm not here just to sell you a book. I'm here to put a revelation in you. And I know Doctor knows a lot more about this than I do, and I'm sure he's taught you some here. Uh, but I'm just, this is my assignment, I feel like, to share with you while I'm here. And uh, we're talking about personal angels. I want you to begin to feel secure. I want you to begin to understand that you're not just going through this planet and anything and everything can happen. That's not right. The angels, if, if, we, if we'll qualify here, they will protect us. I had a demon-possessed guy who was my neighbor back a long time ago, and he, uh, he, uh, he, he cussed me out, and he ran towards me. He had a big pistol hanging out of his pocket. Oh, this was many years ago, 1978, 79 maybe, something like that. And I mean, you know, my wife was standing there. My dog was there. The Roto-Rooter guy was there who had come to... Has everybody, anybody heard this story before? You know, some of you have. Anyway, anyway, my... We, my mother-in-law bought my wife and I. We lived in a dump called a parsonage. <laughs> and when we moved out, they condemned the house. Before somebody thinks, well, Pastor, you look like you dress fairly well and you got an airplane. You, whatever. Yeah, but it hadn't always been that way. And we were, we were faithful back then. And uh, so my mother-in-law felt sorry for us i'm sure and loved us too and she bought us a washer and dryer because we were down at the coin laundry you know that's like at the bmv people you ever been there anyway moving right along two or three know what i'm talking about looks like dysfunctionville anyway my mother-in-law bought us a washer and dryer and we, we started, she started to do some laundry one day and the thing started backing up in our kitchen. I thought, well, I'm not a plumber and I didn't know what in the world happened. I called the Roto-Rooter guy. He came out and he was doing his little rod down in the ground and he comes back to the door in a few minutes and he's shaking. He goes, my God, Pastor, your labor just cussed me out. I said, my neighbor just cussed you out. Yeah, the lady, she just told me everything. She just, and they've, they've packed your drainage pipe with rocks and dirt and that's why it's backing up. I said, is that right? So I came on out, you know, and I went around, and, and there she was. And she, she was mad about stuff. And her husband was sitting about 50, 70 feet away on the porch, but he had a pistol hanging out of this side of his pocket that I could see. I was over there. And he jumped off that porch and started calling me every name you can imagine. I mean, some foul language coming out of him. 
and he was running at me. And he got right up close to my face about that far, and he drew his arm back, and he said, I'll break your nose. And I mean, just for about three seconds there, I'm still talking about angels. I thought, you know, because I, you know, I was ex-drug addict. I was, I'm not that big, but I was mean. <laughs> you, you, you might take me down, but I'm going to hurt you before you do it. <laughs> and, and I thought, and there was my wife holding my little baby that's one year old. She's 31 now. That was 30 years ago. And the Roto-Rooter guy's going, oh, my God, oh, my God. He's just saying, that's what all he's doing. He, oh, my God, oh, my God. And this guy standing there, his veins are popped out on his neck, and I'm thinking, I'm going to whip him real bad and repent later. <laughs> threaten me like that and threaten my life, and I'm going to get that pistol away from him. That's the first thing I'm going to do, and then I'm going to whip him. Then I'm going to go over it. I'm just sorry. That's just Because you know why I felt that way? Because fear just smothered me for about five seconds there, and I thought, oh, my Huh? Yeah, my family's there. I mean, he's the kind of guy that could take the gun and shoot all of us, including my dog and the Roto-Rooter guy. I mean, <laughs> he's just demon-possessed. Oh, God. See, I'm not just preaching a good message. This is a long time ago this happened. And all of a sudden from within me, and man, I'm so glad something came out from down here because my flesh was trying to take over and I thought, I'm going to get the first punch in before he knows what hit him. And then I'm going to hurt him for doing this to me and my family. Because I got afraid for a minute. And fear will make you act that way. And down, down here on the inside, all of a sudden, I heard this voice come up. And it was God. He said, Michael, your angels are here. He's not going to hurt you or anybody. Oh, my goodness. I was so relieved. I took a step back because I wanted to point at his face. And I said, sir, you're not going to hurt anybody today or any other day as far as me and my family. But I want you to know you're a poor excuse for a human being because I've never done anything to bother you or irritate you and for you to act this way. And I just got my family and took them in, including, including the Roto-Rooter guy. He's going, oh, my God, oh, my God. I said, why don't you come in? I'll pray for you. I set him on the couch and laid hands on him. Oh, my goodness. See, but now what am I saying? Then the Lord said to me later that day, he said, if you hadn't been confessing for two years, the angels of God have charge over you to keep you safe from all injury, harm, and destruction. It may not went that way. And I said back to him, if you hadn't said something in the next few seconds, I I know what I was going to do because I was going to protect my family right then. I felt attacked, you know, because my wife, my baby, my dog, and the rotor guy... Exclude him in as part of my family that day. <laughs> I don't think he's ever had an experience quite like that. So let's find out from Psalm 34 if there's uh, <laughs> some qualifiers to have angelic protection. Before I read this, let me say something to you that I found out in studying covenant. Since about 1986, I began to do an extensive study on covenant. And I found out that we're in covenant with God. And so when I found passages since then that said uh, his angels, then I said, well, those are my angels too. See, you know, my wife and I are in covenant. I don't have a bank account separate from her account. (laughs) We're married. We have a joint account. And, uh, you know, when when we understand covenant, we understand whatever I have is the Lord's and whatever I have is his. So don't let this throw you here. In verse 7, it says, The angel of the Lord 
encampeth round about them that fear him. Notice that. And delivereth them. Notice it says them. So that, that would have to be the angels that are assigned to us. The angel of the Lord. And I like to say it this way. I'm reading something into it, but I think you can see from everything I've already shared. The angel that's assigned to you, he encamps around about those who fear him. That is who reverence God and delivereth them. So I'm going to show you here some qualities or conditions maybe we could say we need to meet. First of all, that word encamp in the Hebrew means to abide or settle around. And in Webster's, it means to encircle or surround. So the angel will surround us for those of us who reverence the Lord. And that word in the Hebrew means worship, respect, and devotion. That doesn't mean that I'm just lifting my hands when Trevor's singing. But I'm being a worshiper. And I'm devoted to God. So again, that word fear in the Hebrew means to worship, respect, or be devoted to. And that word deliver here in the Hebrew, it's an interesting word. It means to escape wholly, W-H-O-L-L-Y, to deliver fully and to liberate. So we can see from this that when we are reverencing God in our life and worshiping Him and have respect towards Him, I'd have to have respect towards His Word, have to have respect towards His people, respect towards my man of God or your woman of God, you know, whatever the case may be here, and walking in devotion to him, then when we do that, the angels have free reigns to deliver us, have freedom to help us escape wholly or completely, we might say. That's the way we would probably say it. You remember Joseph, uh, uh, you know, Joseph and Mary, that Joseph. Uh, Of course, he wasn't born again, but the angel came several times, I think if I remember three different times, all in a dream. First he told him Mary, to marry Mary, that everything be all right, and that which was in her was of the Holy Ghost. And then secondly he came and said, take the child and go down to Egypt for a season, and after a season he said, now you can come back. So here was the angel helping them escape fully what was coming up in, uh, you know, with the babies. And things like that. So we can, and there's many illustrations of this in the scripture. Now let's, uh, let's go over here to Psalm 91 while we're here. And then we'll close with this tonight. Hallelujah. We've been trying to target primarily uh, personal angels here. What we've been talking about. And uh, of course in Psalm 91 uh, in verse 11... Uh, and 12, he says, he shall give his angels. Again, now, if they're his angels, they're our angels. And then notice they give them charge over us or over me. And you could put it in personal with you. To keep you in all your ways. They shall bear you up in their hands. At least you dash your foot against a stone. And you'll tread on so-and-so. That These are representative of evil powers and so forth. And then verse 15, he shall call upon me, I'll answer him, be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him with long life. Will I satisfy him and show him my salvation? So long life is just three or four verses away from the angels having charge over us. So I can see where that fits. Remember, remember back to Jacob. And I, this word here, satisfy, is an interesting word. The Lord stopped me one day when I was reading this a few years back and said, I oh, looked that up. And I did. And it meant it, in the Hebrew, the word satisfy means fullness in every area. And the Lord said, to, and I said, well, wouldn't Abraham qualify for that? And he said, yeah. And I went back to Genesis and it says when Abraham was old, 
and well-stricken in years. He was old and well-stricken in years. Not stricken with Alzheimer's or any other thing. I'm not making fun of that. I'm just saying we've got to think right about our older age. And he says that said the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. Now let me show you. Here's another qualifier, and I'll, I'll stop on this. Psalm 91, verse 1 and 2. Look at this with me for just a minute. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. In other words, we're going to have to stay close to God. Verse 2. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, and in Him will I trust. Hallelujah. So we're going to have to stay close to God and we're going to have to say, the Lord is my refuge. Say that with me. The Lord is my refuge. Say, the Lord is my fortress. And I will trust in Him. See, we, we need to say that. And I, all other scriptures you can find too to say. 2 Timothy 4.18 is one of my favorite in the New Covenant. It says, He delivers me from every evil work and preserves me unto the heavenly kingdom. In other words, He preserves me until I get ready to go home. Or He comes to get me, whichever comes first. Hallelujah. Well, I pray you got something out of this tonight. Personal angels. The Bible says in the mouth of two or three witnesses, I think He gave you four or five. That's quite a bit, I'd say. You have angels signed to you. At least one and, you know, and maybe others as the Lord. You know, that's an interesting thing too. I just want to make this comment. You know, Brother Hagin, I'll probably talk about that one of the other nights too. He was talking about how he had a vision. The Lord was talking to him. He saw somebody standing there. Well, who's he? He's your angel. You didn't think he left you because you grew up. He's your personal angel. It was signed to you. And I, I, I'd read that. And Dr. Dufresne's the one to help me with that. I was in a meeting with Dr. Dufresne at Pastor Webb's. And he said, you need to go back and read that book, I Believe in Visions. Well, I, I had a copy at home marked up. I had a copy at work. But I went and bought a brand new copy just to go back and read it again like I hadn't read it before. And I got to the last few pages almost. And he talked about the angel's message or the angel's visit. I forget what it's called. I got it in my notes at the hotel. And he said, uh, Jesus said, when I'm done talking to you, talk to him and he's going to minister to you. And then that angel said to him, my angels are out working on this situation for you. And Brother Hagin said, your angels? He said, yeah, my angels. So that, get, that said something to me I'd never heard before. And I've been studying this a long time. That he was, this was his personal angel and he had other angels even below him that were helping him carry out certain things. It's an interesting thought. You can think about that a little bit. There's a lot of things to think about. Remember, there's such a vast army of angelic beings. I don't think we've even began to think in the realm where it needs to be, but we're starting to 